Hi, I'm uh, Joe Taylor, your literate truant. Uh, when I was in school, uh, skipping school, because I wasn't in school most of the time, I really wasn't that uh, into girls. <laughs> they probably weren't that into me. Uh, later on in life, I, uh, I did acquire a taste for those of the female persuasion. I want to tell you about uh, two of them, two very, very different women that I've written pieces about. Uh, the first one includes uh, me, along with a couple of other guys who've been involved in this woman's life. The name of the piece is Oliver, Kirby, and Betty Boop. My first and only date with my friend Betty began with her locking herself out of her house. We drove to her girlfriend's to get a spare key. Betty was able to get back into her house to get her purse, which she had forgotten as we left for the theater. Standing there with her, I noticed the Betty Boop posters on her walls, Betty Boop figurines in her china cabinet, a drink of water offered in a Betty Boop glass. Betty was cheerful, bordering upon oblivious, kind to the point of self-sacrificial. I remained friends with her largely out of a sense of protectiveness. This woman child driving a car with Betty Boop license frame, its keys on a Betty Boop fob, bounced along happily in life, and I believe delighted in the fact that I and her other friends continually rescued her from real-life cartoon predicaments. Miss Boop was not unattractive. Her demeanor, somewhere between Betty White's TV Rose and Goldie Hawn, she attracted men a bit older than herself, guys who might have scored big when women caught men by baiting their hooks with helplessness. So Betty was a big find for Oliver, who was still waiting at the singles bar for this women's lib fad to pass so he could pull out an impressive wad of cash and find himself a sweetie. Betty was a good singer, had a pleasing, expressive voice. She was in our community choir. She was so happy that Oliver allowed her to stay in the choir after they started dating. He would come to our performances and our rehearsals and our meetings, always sitting by himself, possessive eyes locked in on Betty. She introduced me to him once. He gave me a less than enthusiastic handshake and ushered her away to a private corner in what appeared to be a lecture. We hold our choir banquet every May, hold it in a downtown restaurant that he had always come. She came that year, but kept watching the window. She confided to the other women that Oliver didn't want her to come. Now he was slowly circling the block and she was afraid. The women, the men, we all did what you do for a damsel in distress. We comforted her, told her she deserved better than that. Always impressionable, always anxious to please, Betty Boop pleased us and somehow got away from Oliver. We were so proud of her. Betty's dream had always been to move to Florida. She met a gentleman who only rented in her gated community. He sold vacation real estate and timeshares. He was certainly a cut above Oliver. Kirby was as smooth as the pickup from his namesake vacuum cleaner. Betty was smitten. She looked at Kirby and saw a palm tree. Kirby looked at Betty and saw the money tree. The recession had hit. No one was buying anything. But Betty bought his idea of selling her house and moving to Florida. Happily, they hit the road south. A trip Betty took in reverse a year later, broke with no place to live. Rescued, of course, as Betty Boop always is by friends, heroes, and cliffhanger happy endings. No one around here has ever seen Kirby again, and why would they? He's probably selling condos at Mar-a-Lago. I saw Oliver at the supermarket a while ago. He looked very old, sad, a loser. 
He lost Betty after all. I hear that Betty was somehow able to return to Florida. I hope she's okay. I worry about her. But isn't that what Betty Boop wants? Bouncing from threat to crisis? To know that she'll always be rescued. A second woman, uh, actually two women, are the subject of the piece, Slightly Off, which is included in my book. The Charlize Theron movie Monster, about serial killer Aileen Warnos, really disturbed me. No, not when she brutally, vengefully killed those Johns who had solicited her. It's a scene in which she's applying for an office job, making one last desperate grasp at normalcy. She's wearing the wrong clothes, saying the wrong things. She is so painfully wrong that even knowing how casually she has and will slaughter men, your heart aches for her. Yet there are moments when it seems maybe she has a chance, but then no, they see she is slightly off. The only solace is she is so unaware of how, to, how out of place, how off she is. My Italian grandmother in a cloth coat in fractured English, advocating for me after a schoolyard brawl to the highly coiffed, condescending, business-suited principal of my grammar school, putter, sputtering emotion, being met with bureaucratic cool, was even to my fifth grade eyes, slightly off. The most sophisticated woman I ever dated, a big city Jewish lady, told me not to stand with my wallet open at the cash register because her immigrant father, who, by the way, built a, bit of a business from a push cart, used to do that, and it annoyed her because it didn't seem American. It was too peasant. It was slightly off. My ex-wife was a good-looking woman, very personable, very immediately friendly, perhaps too friendly when we attended country club functions, hobnobbing with the local bank presidents, university faculty, pillars of the community and their snooty wives. My ex's laugh was too loud, lasted too long. Her girlfriend touches were premature. I could only cringe as I observed in their body language the victims of her friendliness did. It was obvious she was slightly off. She, like Aileen, was impervious to her out-of-placeness. But unlike the murderous Miss Warnos, she never killed a man. But I remained vigilant. That last piece, Slightly Off, is uh, in my book. I'm just lucky to own my own car. Uh, that's one of about 60 pieces. And like I say about the pieces, some will make you laugh, some will make you cry, some will make you scratch your head and wonder why. I'm Joe Taylor, the literate truant. Till next time.